Welcome to the session. This is the Blueprint Soccer Podcast, and I'm your host, Clint. If you find this podcast valuable, please share it with your teammates, friends, and family. Enjoy. And we are live. On this episode of the podcast, we are joined by United Soccer League appearance leader, 2014 USL All-League first team, former Dayton Dutch Lions, Los Angeles Blues, and Richmond Kickers, currently with Louisville City FC, where he has won USL championships in 2017 and 2018, George Davis IV. George, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. I want to make sure I have something right here. You are the leading appearance leader in, in USL championship. Do you know? Uh, I Probably. Yeah, I don't know too many guys. Uh, there was uh, Jorge Herrera who was up there with me, but he retired last year, so... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if I was up there. As long as my source is correct. I don't know if it's based off of when the USL Championship started or USL Pro, um, but you are the the leader uh, 232, so I didn't know if you had that uh, off the top of your head, but quite impressive, and I want to talk to you about your experience in the USL because it's grown so much. You've seen a lot of it. Um, 2012? Los Angeles, uh, 2011, with Dayton yeah, Dutch Lions, so, right? Let's run the backstory so we can go through the the teams uh, for the listeners because there's been a lot of change in the league since you first started. Uh, what is that? Ten years ago. Yeah. So uh, the the rebranding, I guess, of the USO was that year, 2011. Uh, between 2010 2011, uh, that's when I came out of school and and played for the Dutch Lions, which the year before it was just a PDL team. Um, so then when they did the, the, uh, rebranding of the league, uh, they, they moved Dayton to the, the USL pro is what it was called. And I was fortunate to, to be able to play there. And that's kind of where I, I had a little breakout year and scored some goals and was able to play a lot of minutes. And then, uh, that following year was when I went out to, to Orange County, uh, now Orange County at the time it was LA blues. That's right. Yeah. Yep. So from so, LA Blues then to Richmond Kickers for a couple of years, yep. and now with Louisville for four years, five years. Yeah, it's my fifth season with Louisville. Um, my first season, 2012, with uh, the Blues, I actually got loaned out. Um, it was like a player swap, I believe, me and, and Max Griffin from Orlando City. So I went and played the back half of the year with Orlando City. Uh, that's where... I was able to play and meet James O'Connor, who eventually brought me here to Louisville. So. Gotcha. So yeah. you have, uh, there you go, that lays the groundwork for the listeners to, to show your credibility throughout the league and, and how much uh, you've been involved in it and seen some different in- environments and uh, want to get into to a few different topics with you. Uh, between the the growth of the league, how you've seen it change between all the expansion teams, and and just becoming more and more professional each year, um, I, w- I want to talk to you about you know, the transition for players. Why some guys do do really well, and then 
other struggle um, and what the adjustments uh, are made and, and what they're like. Um, and then let's get into uh, your time as a as a interim player manager uh, for that little stint between James O'Connor and, and Hackworth. So I, I guess let's start with the growth of the league. Um, what is that? A handful, probably 10, 15 teams in the league when you started, and now we're upwards of, of close to, to 30, if not more. What, what's the growth been like? How, how professional has it, has it become in, in terms of... Uh, just the day-to-day. Um, I know it's a broad way to start, but go uh, go in whatever yeah. direction you feel to get us started, and, and we'll see where it goes. For sure. So um, when I first came into the league, I, I wouldn't say it made you feel like a professional. Um, you know, I think one of the big differences that you see now versus 10 years ago is, is a lot of the, almost all of the clubs now have their own stuff, whether that be like, own stadiums or own training facilities they have a, a groundwork where they there's a lot of academies now and and there's a basically a pyramid scheme and a first team whereas um when i first came into the league it was just a club a team you know in dayton we played on a high school field uh i think maybe i know charleston and richmond have had soccer specific stadiums um orlando played at the citrus bowl but but everything else was kind of like, you know, kind of borrowing, you know, and, and you still see some of that today, but um, definitely not as much. And even the teams that are able to use other stadiums or other facilities, they make it to where it makes you feel much more professional. Um, the the teams, yeah. So there was 10, 12 teams or something like that in the league when we first came in. And, um, you know, Dane, we were, we were a first-year team, so – I wouldn't say we were, you know, playing for a championship, um, but we were competitive, um, lots and lots of ups and downs. And then it seemed like every year after every year I was in the league, it would just get a little bit better. You know, um, when I moved to L.A., I said, OK, this is like a step up. You know, it's a little bit more professional. Um, and then my time with Orlando was probably an eye opening experience for me because Orlando was on a quest to go to the MLS, so everything that they did was was about setting a standard, you know. And at that time, they were the best team in the league, and they were trying to, I guess, raise the level of the league and and show that they were worthy uh, to to be an MLS side. Um, so so that that experience there and my time there kind of opened my eyes to to think like, okay, um, you know, this is real now, you know, and and I'm actually playing for for a career and and this is an environment that that wants me to excel and an environment that wants to make me feel like like a professional um yeah it's 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 really cool to see how you know once the league started to grow how they started introducing the mls2 teams um and i think that did something to the league as well because now the standard uh that the mls brings um kind of made the usl sides want to come to that uh and and raise raise their standards so that was good to see and and bring a lot of opportunities to a much younger group of players versus um at the beginning of my career it was mostly guys coming out of college trying to make the jump into the mls or or higher leagues yeah so i just pulled i pulled this up just to to put things in perspective here 
there are seven teams still in the league from 2014. So, so between 2011 to 2014, there's seven teams, right? And there are 35 total teams in the league right now. Um, and yeah. the amount of teams post 2017 is uh, is quite a bunch between Tampa Bay, Reno, Atlanta United 2, Indy 11, North Carolina FC, Las Vegas Lights, Birmingham Legion, Hartford Athletic, Loudoun United, Memphis, Austin Bold, El Paso, New Mexico, Miami FC, and San Diego Loyal. So that the amount of teams and then now uh, the projection for expansion between 2022 and, and who knows uh, when, probably in the next three years, you have six teams, Queensboro uh, from New York, Rhode Island, East Bay, um, and then Buffalo, New York, and Des Moines, Idaho, uh, uh, Iowa. Um, so the league has just expanded so much, and, and you touched on it, um, and I think it's an important point to make for the listeners. The professional soccer is, is very glorified from the outside in terms of how people perceive it from the day-to-day aspect of all players driving nice cars and and getting pampered and and all this special treatment and and the locker rooms being first class but the reality is uh in most or throughout most of the world even including the u.s um uh, let's set aside the premier league bundesliga la liga mls uh french league all the even some first leagues in, in parts of Asia and, and Europe are are not that glorified. And USL is starting to come around to one of those established uh, leagues where players are getting taken care of. But to start and and even prior to, to what USL has done, it's it really is not that uh, glorified and glamorous, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, spot on. Can you can you talk about? I, I got to pull up this study too because I saw it a, a few years ago, where like I think eighty percent of professional soccer players throughout the world make less than a thousand dollars, and even further, you talk about some of the the platforms and, and and where players play and what locker rooms are like. They're like, uh, you know, you talked about it, high school um, stadiums and, and uh, you know old-fashioned locker rooms where everybody perceives it from the outside to be this like super advanced space like college players are getting so spoiled now with what some of these locker rooms are like because then they want to go play pro and it and then they see some of these locker rooms and it's like what did I get myself into um, so the yeah. day-to-day what kind of growth have you seen in the it, league and how players get taken care of it, it was it's actually an eye-opening thing for a college player who, like, for example, when I was leaving, I played at University of Kentucky to finish my collegiate career. And, you know, it was wonderful. You know, we had beautiful locker room. The pitch was in tip-top shape every day. We had a separate training facility. We reported to the locker room. We got, you know, free boots. Yeah. As much gear as you possibly wanted. Um, you know, meals after training. I mean, I mean, everything was taken care of. Now you're looking at a university athletic department, you know, who obviously has to spend their money somewhere. So you see that. Sure. Um, and, and the aesthetic of a professional footballer 
is like you said the perception is you know nice you know designer bags and lovely lifestyle and all this and all that but it's really a grind um and and when you come in and, and you start realizing that okay these are my teammates but we're also competing for a job and and not only is it just competing for a job within my market but you mentioned other leagues around the world we all know this sport is international so the amount of international players that are coming to the U.S. to play college soccer or the amount of international players who maybe don't make it in their own domestic leagues that are trying to come now to the U.S. to make their name, you know, in, in our league or in the MLS. So I, I think that um, the amount of players in the world and in the U.S. now that uh, want to be professional footballers you know it adds to that to that grind um it's you you touched on something back you know when we're talking about the influx of teams into the league you know um at the time back i think it was up until 2015 16 there was still the nasl Mm -hmm. so a lot of those teams you mentioned like indy miami uh tampa you know, these teams, San Antonio is one of those teams. They were all in the NSL and, and they were trying to, uh, you know, have a more professional feeling about the league and to see the USL rise above and, and now have those teams join the league and see that growth. Uh, it, it's really cool to see, um, you know, back to the, the aesthetics of, of football. That was something I had to wrap my head around you know and when I said at the beginning that I didn't necessarily feel like a professional footballer was because I was thinking that okay in college I had all these things now I'm a professional I'm getting paid to do this but I don't have the same things that I had in college so just coming to terms with that was something that you know that's not even what you're doing on the pitch that's just your environment and that's something that you have to come to terms with first before you can even talk about you know what's going on on the pitch Mm mm-hmm you, you talk about the, the influx of players and the interest uh, in the league, and I think it ties both of our points together with uh, what some of the lifestyles players have to live in, in lower leagues in, in Europe and throughout the rest of the world, um, where it, it's in a sense uh, glorified to play European football. But if you're not in one of those top five, ten leagues, in the world, uh, it, it's really not that that glamorous. And you talk about the grind and the amount of work that needs to go into it, where it's pretty much you're trying to earn uh, an opportunity to to play for one of these uh, top five, ten uh, leagues in Europe. Um, other than that, it's a, it's a lot of guys that are, are fighting and, and having to, to pick up second jobs to, to play in, in a second tier in somewhere in, in Europe and throughout the rest of the world. And now here in the, the U.S. with the USL, um, with how are the facilities are built and, and the environment in some of these pro clubs, players can, can establish themselves as, as true professionals where they don't need uh, a second job uh, and they can can live without uh, you know having to do their own laundry and, and to uh, you know have to, to clean up the facility on their own and, and mow the grass and, and all these things that aren't taken into account in all these other places around the world. Um, and it's it's great to see that that the league has grown so much. I, I think about it too when I 
left school um, and, and the amount of clubs and the, the markets that they were in, you know, I've brought it up before, no offense to Rochester and Harrisburg and, and these clubs are no longer in the league, but they weren't exciting markets to, to be in and go to. Um, and it wasn't a place where I wanted to live. I'm sure there are a lot of people that want to live in Harrisburg and, and Rochester, but um, now with some of these cities um, and, and how the league has grown, it, it's fascinating to see the growth and how many players want to come and, and compete in the USL. And, and this can, can be a point that I hope you can get, in, get into is the, how competitive the league is. Even with how much the league has grown um, and the amount of teams, what that has done from an international point with the influx of, of players from all throughout the world. I think it's about 50% of the league is, is made up of, of international players. So what, what, how competitive is it? Uh, how can you put it in perspective? Because a lot of college players and, and youth players are under the assumption that USL league is, I guess, better than, than going the college route, right? Where we've talked about and how college players are taking care of the facilities. I don't think a lot of American players are actually prepared for some of the demands and, and the lifestyle change from, I guess you could say, youth soccer to, to pro soccer. They need that college uh, segue to prepare. Um, and I guess it also, I, I guess, want to clarify too with the how the uh, facilities are now being built it's almost very similar to a college, but then you're competing for spots with the international, which you're also doing with in college now. It just seems like college is all international. Um, so yeah, can you put that into perspective with how yeah. how so, it's? I know that's a lot too, but uh, no, no, I, I'm following. It, it's very. Uh, I would say it's very competitive compared to your college soccer, and, and I would say the reason is like. Number one, there's no clearinghouse. There's yeah. no, you know, academic responsibility. There's no, um, you know, all these different things that college soccer requires for you to go into that school. Um, there, There is none of that. You know what I mean? Um, on top of that, now you're in an environment where you have to compete every day. And, you know, it's a different feeling when you're competing with a, a college environment versus I have to feed my family or I have to feed myself, or I have to earn another contract, or if I don't perform on the day, I won't be playing soccer next year. Um, and, and these are just mindsets, and, and you know, you kind of touch on the biggest difference as you progress through the leagues, and I would say that it's a, it's a shift in your mentality. Um, and, and even for me, you know, I've always been a pretty hard-edged kid and, and a pretty strong mentality, but when when I left school and I, now I'm, you know, trying to make a little bit of money playing the game, I, my mentality was tested, you know what I mean? Because the requirement in training, the requirement on the weekend, at the time when I was young in this league, you might play two games in a weekend. Uh, you might play, you know, two or three games a week. Um, so all these different things. And there's no, uh, I don't know how to put it, but like, Player, coaches are constantly looking for players and ways to make their team better. Sure. You know, um, when, when I think, and you know, I've done a little bit of college coaching myself is you, you go and you recruit and, and you prepare for the year. And for that year, like this is what you have. And, and this is our squad. And we're planning ahead. But the players that are coming in aren't really necessarily coming in to 
take your place. You know, if you're a junior, senior, and you've, you know, you know, solidified yourself in the squad, uh, coach isn't necessarily trying to find somebody to replace you. Whereas at the pro level, especially at the top, the top level, it's like, okay, we didn't finish, we didn't win the championship, or you know, we didn't reach our goals. Well, now I need to find the best player I can possibly find. I need to go out and get players to replace my best players. Maybe that's not what they're telling themselves, but every coach at the professional level will tell you that they're going to do whatever they can to put the best the best team on the field. Um, and that, and that's something you know that that I had to come to terms with as well. Um, and it kind of gives me a thought. You know, you talk about. Uh, I was never in an environment where I got to a locker room and, and guys were like shunning me away or, or didn't want to be my friend. I was very fortunate to be in a lot of good locker room. But I've heard stories of, you know, situations where guys will come to a locker room and nobody will speak to them. You know what I mean? Or, you know, they come and they're thinking that it's going to be all oh, welcome to the club. And in reality, it's like, well, you're, you're trying to take my job or you're trying to take my position. And, you know, this is a, this is a battle, sure. you know, so dealing with that, you know, whereas in college you get to the locker room or at least in my experiences was like, Hey, this is our squad. We're going to have a good time. We're going to go hit this, you know, have some fun after training. And it's a, a family, you know, environment. Um, and, and that was a, a bit of a shift for me as well. Uh, so these, these little things, you know, and it's funny because we're talking about all these little things, but we haven't once talked about, you know, kicking a bar, how good you are with your left foot or, you know, your ability to score goal and, and all these things. And it, it reminds me is like, as we talk about, talk to young players who want to be pros, a lot of the things I tell them or a lot of things that I share, uh, what you do on the field and your ability to compete and your, your, your quality, I guess, is, after you can get the mentality right, after you can get, you know, the environment right. So. Yeah, no, that's that's really well said. And I, I want to get into a, a point with you um, about what's kept you going, you know, throughout these these 10 years um, playing in, in USL year after year, because that was one of the things when I uh, was looking at the opportunity, I saw myself as as only playing USL. I didn't really see myself progressing to MLS because I'd been around so many guys that had competed and compete at that level where I was like, yeah, whatever I do at, at 21, 22, I don't think I'll be able to increase my game uh, that much. And maybe that was a pessimistic approach on my end or, or maybe being too realistic, but that's why I didn't pursue USL opportunities not that I was guaranteed a, a deal or anything but I was like is it really worth it to go uh, and, and explore this opportunity if I'm not going to progress on so I want to get into with you how you've you've progressed and how you've kept yourself going year after year um, without MLS opportunities you know and like I said I know the league has established itself more and more and the times are, are different. I think if I'm a, a player today, I'd push the, the envelope a bit more because of those those opportunities and how some of the clubs are set up and we talk about it being more professional and well run um, and, and a true professional environment. But when I was coming out, I felt like I was ultimately taking a step down 
because of how some of the clubs were run and the environment it was like are you it's like college felt like a higher level than than usl not in terms of the the actual play and the quality on the field but the setup and the day-to-day and what the yeah. life was like so what was, yeah. how'd you keep yourself going is, is a point that i want to get into so, now before i forget uh I have a I have a unique story, you know. So when when I was coming out of college, I didn't have a, you know a glorified college career. You know, I, I actually you know I spent my first two years at Bowling Green State University, and and I played a lot of games, uh, scored some goals, but our team wasn't very successful. Uh, so I decided to transfer. That's when I went to UK, and and I had a bit of struggles there, you know. Um, and I think that's a time in, in my life, and I would say a time that kind of pushed me and nurtured me to have the career that I've had because I was forced to become stronger uh, mentally. You know, I was not playing as much as I liked. I wasn't having the impact as much as I, as I wanted. Um, and I felt like I was underachieving to a, to a certain degree. Um, so as I'm coming out of college, you know, I did not expect to go and play professional soccer. Uh, I was already thinking about grad school. I was thinking about the next phase of my life as most kids coming out of college do. And uh, I was, I'm from Ohio, born in Dayton, Ohio. And, and my friend says to me, hey, there's a, a team coming to, to Dayton, you know, Dayton Dutch Lions. And there's these all these different pros from the Dutch League, guys that played in the Eredivisie, uh, the gentleman that, that started the club, Eric Tammer, Mike Masso, both played at a really high level. And I'm like, well, you know, I have nothing to lose at this point. So I love the game. I went and I tried out. Well, I made the team, and the the coach of that team was Sonny Saloy, who, uh, if you're not familiar with the name, he played for Ajax, won Champions League with Ajax. He also won a Euro with uh, the Netherlands. So very, very well-respected, um, great coach, one of the best coaches I've ever had. And, and he put me into his system, and he gave me a, a confidence about myself and I guess he gave me a belief that, hey, George, you can play this game and you can play it at a, at a good level. Um, so as we spoke about earlier, from that PDL season, I was able to go in and, you know, move into the, to the USL. So from that time forward, it was all about, like, proving not only to myself, but proving to all the people who've been around me that, all right, I can play the game. You know, I can play at a high level. Obviously, my dream, you know, growing up was always to be a professional. Uh, uh, so after that year you know I had a short stint with the Columbus crew I played in like two reserve games um but nothing came from it uh went to LA so having that experience with Columbus and seeing the level it was like motivation for me I'm like okay I'm I'm good enough you know like I I can actually play so that's when the motivation for me became I'm gonna get to the MLS you know I'm gonna get to to a higher league I'm gonna get to a first league or you know, I'm going to go and make more money. Uh, and that was my motivation. Uh, that motivation pushed me. Uh, I think 2014 was probably my best season, uh, double-digit goals. Uh, we finished second behind Orlando, but I had a really good year, and, and I was getting some looks from the MLS. I went to trial with D.C., and I went to trial with Houston for a week apiece. And both teams invited me to preseason. So... Uh, at the time, um, the Houston coaching staff basically turned over, um, and they, they brought in another coach into Houston. And a week before preseason started, I, I had 
verbally committed to go to preseason with Houston. About a week before preseason started, they called and they said that there wasn't going to be a an opportunity for a contract. So essentially, it's like we can bring you to preseason, but we don't know, you know, what's going to happen as far as the contract goes. And one thing I never knew was like how it got to that point. You know what I mean? Like, how did it go from, oh, George, we really like you. We want to bring you in. We want to bring you to preseason. Actually, conversations about a contract to uh, no invite, you know, to to the preseason. So I reached back out to D.C., and then at the time, they had already filled their their camp, you know. So it was like a missed opportunity. I had a, a, a contract still with Richmond at the time, so I went back to Richmond. Um, and that, that was a, a big blow. Uh, I'll yeah. be honest. That was a big blow to, to me um, because I thought that was my moment. You know, that was my opportunity that, that I was going to get to move up. Um, sure. And from there, it was like, okay, I'm getting older now. I've had a few good years. Now I want to win, you know, and, and now that, that became the next phase of my motivation was, okay, maybe the MLS isn't in my future. But I still am able to play the game. I still love it, and I can still accomplish a lot um, in the in the environment that I'm in. And and from there was when I came to Louisville, and and with the help of James, he was he was massive for uh, my my mentality and, and my motivation, and and that became my motivation became winning. And unfortunately, we've been able to do that here in Louisville. That so. that is really well put. How you change your perspective throughout your time, and I think that's. That's really interesting based on the, the time period of the, the league uh, with it growing and changing so much between that 2010, 2011 period up and through 2014, 15. And it, it seems like it kept things fresh where you kept plugging along. You had some opportunities. They fell through. You change your perspective. And now there's just like this this new approach that you have with, okay, not going to maybe make it to the to the top of the the game in terms of of MLS or, or somewhere in Europe but I'm going to make it to the top of where I'm at and win championships and be on a a, a really good team um, and that's when you probably realize you you're also an established player and and you've solidified yourself in, in the league and and I'm sure got they're getting paid far better than you were when you first started in the league so now it's like let's keep this going um, and you win those what back to back championships in 2017 and 18, right? And yep, then you, know, you get all these yeah. new teams in the league to compete against, so it keeps things fresh and you keep yourself energized. But imagine if the league never changed the way it did; it would almost get like so uh, monotonous and do this doing the same thing year after year. And it would be, I feel like, would be so hard to keep yourself motivated, even if you are winning championships, you know. But I guess yeah. when you're I mean, I'm pretty certain that, that without without the evolution of the league, uh, it's very unlikely that I would still be playing in it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's something like you said. Even as far as your wages, you know, um, I, I was fortunate in my situation that I was always respected um, from the clubs that I played for, and I was always paid a, a livable wage. Sure. Um, and a lot of players can't say that, um, and that's something that I'm grateful for. Um, but like you said, as, as the as the league evolved, um, the requirement, the standard of living, the standard of the league continued to go, to rise. You know, healthcare, um, you know, uh, housing, and and a livable wage, and 
and all these different things that gave me confidence that, okay, this is a career path. You know what I mean? Yeah. Versus had the league maintained where it was in 2011, 2012, even, you know, 13, 14, um, it would have been in my best interest to go on and pursue a more fulfilling uh, career. Sure. Uh, financially. Financially. Yeah. 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 No, I I think you can touch on it as well based on guys you know that that play the sport professionally throughout the rest of the world. There are still a majority of the the places around the world is probably how USL was in 2010, 11, 12, I guess even into 13. Um and, and now just it's it's really become uh, a nice place to to like you say make a career and and you can have a long career. We've talked about it a little bit. Let's talk about some of the changes uh, of what players need to really appreciate if they do get an opportunity in the league. From We talk about changes from playing in high school stadiums to soccer-specific stadiums. What travel uh, you know, is like now versus when, when you first started. Um, living situations, uh, whatever. I'm sure there are so many changes. What are some of the most significant ones where players really need to appreciate, you know, if they're in a team today um, and how far it's come? Um, I mean, you touched on some, you know, like something as simple as doing your own laundry. You know what I mean? Um, coming into a facility and being able to get treatment. Um, being able to see a trainer when you got a knock or you got a little muscle soreness or you need a rub or you need a stretch, you know, having access to a gym, you know what I mean? Uh, somewhere where you can put in your work and you don't have to move around a Planet Fitness or, a, you know, a YMCA around a bunch of people and you can, you know, get your work done in, in an efficient, effective way. Um, one thing for me that's massive, especially in this day and age is, you know, like healthcare insurance, you know, and I know not all clubs do provide that, but the better of the clubs and, and the standard is becoming that, you know, we're going to make sure our players are taken care of in that sense. Um, so these things, very, very important, you know, to making a player feel welcome, making a player feel like a pro and, and all these little things add up to allow a player to go out and put in, you know, a good performance day in and day out. Um, it's it's really interesting because I would think, and, and this is something that you see from a lot of young players, and, and this is something that I see from, you know, young players who have opportunities with the MLS teams and the MLS2 teams, is that you can't take any of these things for granted. Um, if I'm a young player and I'm in an MLS camp and, and I'm getting, you know, treated and treated well and I have access to all these different amenities, um, don't don't get lost in that, you know, because very quickly all that can change. Very quickly you can be on a League 2 team or a League 1 team that doesn't have, you know, those amenities. And, and you're still going to be required to perform. Whether you have a trainer, whether you have to do your own laundry, whether you get a meal after training or not, the requirement is the same, if not even higher, because you have to do more to reach the level that you once were that you attained this, to get to. Mm-hmm. We, I, you know, we've talked about the the growth and the changes from a uh, you know, travel facility uh, amenity standpoint. Uh, yeah. How about how about the players too? And it, it ties in. Um, I th- I mean, we've touched on it. I, I would say from a general standpoint that the league has gotten more competitive. There's a higher quality of player. 
Um, guess I also yeah. want to tie in too. Do you think? Do you think a, a lot of players ha have gotten spoiled, especially first year guys, which you know maybe has have caused them to get too comfortable when they've gotten into a certain environment and then they haven't been able to perform. I know you've been at Louisville for the last handful of years, so it's not like you've bounced all over the place to see different environments and how people are treated, but I would have to assume, uh, which I hope isn't a bad one, that players are, are too spoiled now in a sense of you know getting their laundry taken care of. Imagine just a simple thing of, of having a player do their own laundry and take on that responsibility and appreciate some of those bigger things that that they have now and, and potentially make them more successful in the long run but when everything's getting done for you you almost get into a place like you, you're pampered and and spoiled and and get complacent you know so yeah. quality of player i'm guessing has, has increased have players also obviously gotten more spoiled which has that helped or hurt the players yeah like so here in Louisville, like even you know my last couple of years here, the it's been a massive growth for the club, you know. So like some of the amenities, obviously we have a brand new stadium now, you know what I mean. And the yeah. stadium is it's completely state of the art, you know. So even players coming into our team, like new players coming into our squad, we have a strong core that's been here for a while that's kind of grinded through the rough years where Louisville was trying to grow. You know what I mean? So I don't see as much of that uh, here, but you do see that a little bit for some of the new players who are coming in. Like I said, some of the, the younger players, you know, maybe they've had national team experience or they've been in the MLS and, and then they've come. Um, and and I, I don't want to use the word spoiled, you know, especially in our camp. Um, but I can see that sometimes where it's like an eye-opening thing for a player and it's hard for them to get past that uh and they let it affect their play on the field you know what i mean and, yep. and that's something that you know i'm constantly talking to guys it's like humble yourself almost you know and and i come from a you know as we spoke about my career you know i've never been that that guy that's like a big time player you know or wanted to be treated as such so i've always come from a, a humbleness side and, and i try to give that little piece to the guys um, because that translates onto the field too, you know, when the guy is selfless or he's willing to put his head down and, and do the work or if he's asked to play another position or, you know, he's asked to do things that are uncomfortable. Well, if you're constantly being pampered and, and put in comfortable situations off the field, then you can't expect to have that same treatment on the field. And, and some of these things kind of translate, you know, for players, you know, and you, and you can see it and, and it's, it's very clear. So, you know, I touched on I, I like to use the MLS two teams as an example because, you know, that it, I'm I'm a huge advocate for what they're doing. I, I think it's amazing, you know, and, and I wish that I could have had an opportunity to be in these environments when I was 17, 18 years old. But don't let it get the best of you, you know, and like that's what we want to tell them. Don't don't think you've made it, man, because you you know, you're in a good place, in a good environment right now at your age. You know, you have to grind. You have to do the dirty work. And sometimes it's good that a player can see the the rough sides of the game or the lower leagues. And, you know, like you talk about other countries sometimes where you go to another country and you realize that this footballer, this footballer idea isn't what you painted out to be. And, right. and, and so I wouldn't want to use the word spoiled, but um, I definitely think players – sometimes need to be humbled 
that's how I would put it. Yeah, no, that's yeah. a that's a great way to put it. And we'll we'll come up with the word as we, as this podcast goes on. I just realized the words. <laughs> I just realized the phrase "state of the art" is what I've been trying to say about all these facilities. Yet I couldn't come up with it. And I think of like just these old brick uh, locker rooms that just have lights in it and the 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 steel or tin lockers. And now you have the flat screen TVs and these really nice wooded lockers with you know air fresher mm-hmm. all, all this state-of-the-art stuff but we'll come up with the word of, of how we can can describe some players but i think it's really good the way you put it uh, in a sense with the the louisville players which you've essentially gone through like that blue collar period and you've kept that mentality where a lot of the players now have this like white collar mentality where everything's going to get done for them i guess i want to talk about two um players success when they've transitioned from college or or a youth team uh, you know from uh, let's call it an academy team into a usl team or somewhere uh, first year player maybe from europe or south america how why has a player been successful and why have have players failed what's like the one or a couple of traits that you can point to as to why players are successful in their transition as a as a professional in usl um, I, I I like the mentality for me is a strong. I've, I've used it before here yeah. since we've been talking. But in in our environment here in Louisville, I can speak to the players that have gone on and had success, whether it be in MLS or other clubs around the league. Um, they've all come in with kind of a, a selfless attitude. You know what I mean? Um, that's well something that you know maybe these players had before they got here. Or maybe it was instilled in them, you know, from the environment that we've created here. Um, but the the ability to have a strong mentality, the, the ability to get dropped on the weekend and be able to come to training on a Monday after supporting your teammates on the weekend and still put in a shift on Monday to prepare yourself to try to get back in the team on the next week. As opposed to, uh, I got dropped, uh, that's, that's crap from the coach. I should have been playing, uh, you know, and not, I don't want to say any teammate wishes failure on their teammates, you know, but you get some of that, like, oh, well, he didn't play well, so now it's my opportunity, you know. Mm-hmm. We've been so strong here in, in the sense of, well, if he does well, then I do well. If the team does well, then I'll get my opportunity, you know, and, and the players that from our team that have moved on, like Mark Anthony Kay, uh, Kyle Smith, Greg Rangensing, Mark Anthony and Greg in particular, um, during their time here, had to deal with getting dropped, had to deal with watching, had to deal with fighting for a spot to get on the pitch, had to deal with disagreeing with the decision and the ability to move past it, the ability to still put your best foot forward when you don't agree with the decision or you don't agree with the tactic or, or whatever it may be that, okay, this is bigger than me. I'm still going to do my work. I'm still going to do my part for the team. Um, and, and I think that attitude and mentality has led to a lot of the success that you see from players in our league. You know, another player that I mentioned, Kyle Smith, you know, at Orlando now. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who played Division three soccer, came to a tryout, and his entire attitude from the time he stepped foot on the field in Louisville to now in Orlando has been, what can I do to help the team? You know, and, and and it's whatever you need me to do. He tried out as a center mid or so, and next thing you know, our right back gets injured. Now he's playing right back. Um, he started the first game and didn't come off the field, you know, again. 
so he was able to, to develop relationships. He was able to earn the trust of not only his teammates, but the coaching staff um, and these little things that allowed him to excel, you know, and, and all these guys have quality, you know what I mean? So yep. like that, and that's the thing about it too, is once we get to this level, there's a lot of guys out here who have a lot of quality. There's a lot of guys who can bang in goals when it's right. You know, there's a lot of guys who can play well when there's time, you know, or when there's space or the system suits them and these types of things, you know, but for the players who can do it when it's uncomfortable, I think those are the players that have the, the, the brightest, uh, the futures ahead of them, you know, yeah. uh, talking about players that don't do well here. Um, like, you know, just think of the opposite, you know, very uh, selfish attitude or, you know, you come in and you're asked to play another position and, and you don't want to, or you guy yells at you in training and you can't take it. You know, you can't respond to criticism, these things. Um, and I've seen a lot of good players who aren't able to perform because of, you know, they don't like getting yelled at or they can't handle the intensity of the training. You know, you get a lot of, oh, chill out. You know, it's just training. It's like, no, it's not just training. Like, this is the requirement. You have to play in this session as if you would play on the weekend. Um, and the players that can't meet that demand day in and day out, those are the players who usually fall behind. Yeah, that's that's really, really well put. I, I It's one of those words that's thrown around so much, um, and I think you've clarified it with, with mentality, with being selfless. I think of another word, uh, being resilient. Um, yeah. Maybe think of another word that we can, can throw in there while I, uh, I make this point uh, to you. Is there a conversation that you can, can point to or, or one that you had with one of those guys between uh mark or greg about you know some of those hurdles since you've had the experience in the league and and maybe what advice you gave them to help them through through a challenging moment in a particular point in the season to you know encourage them or, or refocus their their approach so they could get to where they they are today i'm not saying you're the one that that got them there but you're having an important conversation with them that maybe gave them a new perspective on how to approach their day-to-day i don't i don't know that like you said i don't know that any conversation that i had you know led to their successes but i would just say the day-to-day conversations and training like like me and mark for example mark he's playing a six now or an eight you know for lafc sure uh when he played here he was playing as a winger so uh, we were playing in the same position. Um, and although we were both were both very highly competitive players and we both wanted to start on the weekend and we both wanted to play, um, if I got dropped, I was there to support Mark. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm there to say, yo, man, you're going to have a game today. You know, I, you know, look, there's a space here, you know, trying to help him out so that, you know, hey, this is what I see from the side. Can this help you in this moment? You know what I mean? And likewise, you know, if if Mark wasn't in the team on the day and I was, you know, Mark's like, yo, George, good luck. Have a good one. You know, like, do your thing. This is a space. You got a goal in you, you know? And these little conversations that you have with teammates and you realize that, yo, these guys really got my back or these guys really respect me and, and they trust me. Like, even though he's disappointed or I'm disappointed that we're not in the team on the day, we're able to put that behind us and go on and still support each other. Um, that gives 
players' confidence. You know what I mean? Like, although I'm not in the team, you're still just as valuable to the group. And when you get your opportunity, I know you'll take it. Or if it's the 60th minute, the you know, 55th minute or whatever, and I'm not having a good game, I'm not pissed off coming off the field. I'm pissed at my performance. But I know that if a player like Mark is coming on to replace me, that he's got an opportunity to win the game for us. You know what I mean? And sure. these kind of go both ways. And I only use Mark. I mean, I use Mark as an example because he's he's done an incredible thing, um, and he and he's playing incredible right now for LAFC. Um, but it, you know, he was able to adapt to a new position even while he was here. Maybe he didn't feel that you know the winger position was his best role. But you never heard that from him. Mm. You know, he he just came in and did his work and, and tried to be the best that he could be at whatever the manager was asking him to do. And I think a lot of that has definitely led led to the success that you see in him today. Yeah, you threw out a, uh, another word before before I forget with uh, with that mentality uh, before before we move on the, the three words that I think hit on you've hit on it perfectly between uh, selflessness, uh, resiliency, and then competitiveness. I think really sum yeah. up the player's mentality. Where if you're lacking one of the three, even you may not make it right or, or progress right. on. Right. Um, so I think that. That should give uh, the players listening a really good idea of, okay, what do I need to have uh, to have a good mentality? What's a good mentality? I think those three words sum it up perfectly. If another one comes to mind throughout this this podcast, I think it's uh, it's important for you to, to shout it out. But um, I, you, you, we bring up Mark Anthony Kay, and I'm sure there are other guys throughout the league that you have competed against. But to see his success, he can't just be a one-off. You know what I mean? Like his story is incredible, but you see his success in the league. And I'm surprised that more players really don't get a a fair opportunity or a fair look. And I, and I, you understand it probably uh, better than anybody uh, or any professional uh, understands this part that it's so cutthroat where you brought it up earlier in this episode where it's about results. And even if you're performing well, you could have an off week and that manager's looking for a replacement. You know, they're trying to have the best players possible to compete and win games week in and week out. Um, but you see somebody like Mark Anthony Kay that's been unbelievably successful for the best team in MLS. There's gotta be other players out there throughout USL that can compete and, and help teams win in MLS, you know, I want to make that point clear. Like he's obviously doing really yeah. well on the best yeah. team in MLS, starting game after game, and a key piece mm-hmm. of that team. So I'm sure you've seen other players. Why, why don't you think players sure. are getting more of an opportunity then? Um, I think I think the attitude, the the idea of the USL is changing. Um, so if you look back, you know, when I was trying to get, when I was having a few opportunities, it was more of a, a situation. I think like, all right, are these guys good enough to play? Yeah, probably. But, you know, because of, and this is, I don't know a whole lot about, well, I'll keep my pants to myself, but sure. the M- MLS, the MLS and, and their rules and, and the way the draft works and choosing a college player versus choosing a player who's been in the USL for a couple of years and these attitudes and these ideas about that, I think are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the MLS two sides of coming into that, um, I think has, has shifted that, that attitude about the USL um, because they're seeing their own products 
competing in the league and not as good or being outperformed by other players in the in the USL. Um, like I, I, I made a comment as I was watching a game. Uh, Anunga, uh, I believe, was in Charleston Barrett. I believe he got his first start for Nashville on the weekend. And and I don't know him personally, but I was delighted to see another player from the USL getting an opportunity with the first team. Uh, I think I saw Michael Chang with with Real Salt Lake, you know, the other night. So all these different players who are getting an opportunity now in the MLS, five, ten years ago, it wasn't that type of situation. You know what I mean? I think the USL players were overlooked. I think as time goes on, there'll be a lot more players making moves from USL into the MLS. Um, and I think some of that may have to do with, you know, the competitiveness of, you know, the last couple of years you used the Open Cup as an example. You know, every year there's teams beating MLS teams from the USL and not doing it as a one-off. But, I mean, I think one year there was like out of, you know, 10 games, it was five USL winners or something like that. You know, right, so yeah. I think the more that we see, you know, these type of things happening and, and the more that players are being given opportunities, I think you'll see more players excelling. So I've been actually talking to a lot of college players about the growth of USL and, and how much it helps players establish themselves as professionals, where a lot of college players are so eager to just sign MLS deals or go into MLS preseasons, even with no guarantee. And if a USL option is on the table, um, it's like, I still want to pursue something in MLS because I don't know if I'll have the opportunity again. But my point is, which which you've made now and, and kind of reassures the, the growth of USL and more and more opportunities. I've encouraged college guys uh, to pursue USL opportunities and use it as a platform to establish yourself as a pro. Go in and play 30 games, right, in USL, if you can, right? If you can do that, great. But the likelihood of you going into MLS and playing 30 games is far less. And, and that's not because of the type of player that you are. I'm directing this like I'm having a conversation with you um, that's looking mm -hmm. to, to go and play pro. But there are so many established guys in the league that it's so hard to break in and, and have those opportunities where if you go into a USL team, the likelihood of you playing is far greater. Um, I hope I'm wording that fairly and, and correctly, but so many players in years past have been, college players have been turned off by that approach to, oh, go into a USL team and play when they think they're good enough, you know, to go directly to, you, to MLS. They may be, but why not go in to USL, play 30 something games, establish yourself as a pro and then you have that body of work to go to us or to mls teams and say look this is what i've done in, in the usl championship um do you, i i hope that it's utilized more as a, a platform for growth in this country because there are so many teams it's getting more and more competitive um and and i just hope to to see more players utilizing that that opportunity for growth yeah, I think those are all very important conversations. And you being a coach yourself, I'm sure you have those same conversations with high school players trying to go into college, you know. And so so many times I see players as a coach myself 
that are caught up in the glamour and the glory. You know, I tell my friends I'm going to an ACC school or I can tell my friends that, you know, I'm, I'm an MLS player now. Mm-hmm. Regardless if you never get a game, you know, you can still sure. say that, you know, you were in the MLS. So, um, you know, I is a conversation about telling players, you know, like I've heard conversations about not going to college versus USL. That's a completely separate conversation. But as far as like coming out of college, I personally would love to go and play the game and get, you know, 20 or 30 games um, at this level to prepare me for the next. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's definitely players that can go and make the jump from college to MLS. I, I, you see it, you know. But if you look at the amount of players that go into the MLS draft, the amount of players that go to the MLS and then turn around and end up playing USL games, you know what I mean? It's um, it's it's more and more every every year, every draft, you know. Yeah. So uh, I think sometimes like like we use the word humbling, you know, maybe sometimes players should just humble themselves and say, you know what? I have an opportunity here where I can go and an opportunity a coach is going to give me an opportunity versus I can go on and I can say I signed an MLS contract and be number 30 on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so although I was never in that position, I'd imagine that it's a very tough decision to make for players, especially when you have that opportunity at hand. But I would encourage that any day of the week, especially when with the way it's set up now, most likely you're going to end up playing USL games anyway. If you're going to do that, I would love to be at an established USL side where the attitude is we're here to win versus we're here to just kind of develop players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's that's what that's the perspective I hope players start to take now, and it's not like a, a negative one because the league has grown so much, right. and, and the success and the opportunities are becoming more and more abundant uh, for players to to show themselves and, and move up. Um, it's it needs to be looked at as a, as a positive of what the the league is is doing USL because um, I'm sure like if if you had the opportunity coming out looking getting into to the league now with your experience and how much it's grown you'd be all over it right because they they didn't appreciate Absolutely. like what what it was ten years ago even five years ago like we just went we went through all the teams that have come into the league since 2015 and 16. Um, it's incredible the growth. Um, what else, in terms of the league, do you think is an important point to make uh, to to put things in perspective for the league? Um, because you've seen so much, you've won, you've been around a lot of players, you've been around players that have been successful and moving up to an MLS club. You've seen guys that have come into to Louisville or even Richmond and and maybe only last a, a handful of games. Um, what's an important point to touch on that we haven't um, talked about yet? As far as uh, the player coming into a side? Yeah, I mean, anything from... The, from, from the club's perspective. Club perspective, player perspective, your experience in the yeah. league. Um, you know, because okay. I want to I save the, the last bit of, of, your, your, um, of the conversation about the interim player manage uh manager and what okay. that experience was like so i hoping to hit on like one more so, point uh to to put things yeah. in, in perspective for for the listeners from a from a club perspective one thing that and i hope this is kind of what you're getting at is like i don't want to see a bunch of teams like you're talking about the influx of teams coming into the uso and 
you don't ever want the league to get watered down, you know, and you don't want it to be like, okay, just because there's uh, this uh, this owner wants a team here that it's the best thing for the league, you know what I mean? Um, you've seen, you know, quite a few teams come and go over the last few years. So that's something that I would like the the league to do, and I know it's difficult, easier said than done, is kind of stabilize. So if we're going to bring more teams into the league, especially the championship, then the standard and, and the the ability to have something sustainable, I think, is important. Um, you know, uh, you don't want teams coming in, giving guys jobs, and then next year they fold up and now guys are all looking for another opportunity. You know, sure. just like you don't want teams coming into the league and bringing the standard of, you know, what we talked about down as far as like taking care of their players, whether it be off the field and on the field, you know, so although the, the league is growing and I, and I love the, the enthusiasm to bring teams into the league. Uh, one thing I, w- I would hope is that we continue to make sure that the teams and the people we're bringing into the league are trying to do it the right way. Sure. Um, and I think that becomes very evident when you see the teams that have lasted and the teams that have fallen down to the wayside. And, um, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, like, we can use let's use Richmond as an example they've been around forever you know yeah. um, and, and I thought it was a stand up thing for them to do uh, by going to the league one you know because there, there's okay this is what the championship requires this is what the teams would like to have the budgets and the type of environments that they like to create and, and Richmond said well you know we can do this at the league one level to where we don't necessarily have to we can't necessarily supply what you want the championships teams to do so we'll stay in our market and do what we can for our market and same thing with the league two sides you know so i would love you know hopefully in the future that all these teams can continue to improve and continue to evolve and maybe one day you know the usl can have its own kind of relegation promotion set up to where you know, the teams that are successful on the field and uh, all the team standard has gone up that now we can have some movement as far as the quality on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, I mean, that's – who knows if that's in the foreseeable future, but that's something that I would love to see, and I think that's something that would be huge for professional soccer in the U.S. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about it. We don't need to get into all the details and the argument of promotion relegation, but do you, do you feel like – over the the ten year period that the league, in a sense, has maybe gotten watered down, and there's been too many handouts to teams just coming into the league, or does it still feel competitive day in and day out? Like, I I really appreciate you've you've talked about it too. It it's nice to see what the USL or sorry the MLS two teams are doing. Between obviously Red Bull's been super successful, you know some of the other ones have struggled. Real Monarchs did did really well last year, obviously winning the the championship. But I I feel like from a sense sometimes it's it's too much of a of a gimme. I'm I'm talking about from the outside with all these teams. Where if you do have the promotion relegation, 
then you could be in the USL, but maybe you're in the championship or maybe you're in League One or League Two and it doesn't feel like, oh, look, another USL championship, another handout, guys maybe getting opportunities that they don't de deserve in a sense that they're pros, but they're not at Louisville City level or, um, you know, even Pittsburgh, right, is an established club that has done really well year after year. Um, you know, Richmond could go back to those days. Why not? You know, they've been really they successful in, in U.S. soccer, but now they're locked in technically to, to League One. It just feels like there's, it's it's a exclusive, inclusive kind of thing. I want to want to figure out how to word this, where it's just like, all right, you can buy yourself into to a league rather than earning yourself, right? And it's funny, yeah. Richmond buys themselves into USL league one you know when reality next year if they want to they could buy themselves into to the championship so do you yeah. feel like it's gotten watered down at all like on a week-to-week -week basis when you compete against you know other clubs because of all this change and and like you said you want to see some solidification and some some teams really establishing themselves in, in the league uh when it's still super young right some of these teams have only been in for a year so at all watered down or is it is it still yeah. in the right place to be competitive and grow i mean when i mean when you start adding this many teams it's kind of inevitable that there's going to be teams that are at the level you know what i mean and and why that is you know i don't want to say that the players aren't good enough for you know that the the clubs aren't uh, good enough or for whatever reason but every, i don't this year is kind of a kind of messed up you know because sure. you don't get to compete against all the teams but like last year i thought was a very competitive a very competitive season from the top down you know i thought that uh in the east uh that it was extremely competitive um you know you could go and you know have a game anywhere you went but there's been years in past where you know I hate to use the MLS two teams, but to where they're just not trying to put out a competitive product. Yeah, that's the you point I, I mean? wanted they, to they, make. That's the point yeah, I wanted to make, which I didn't I didn't fully hit on where they have all their academy yeah. kids play, which the academy kids really get to benefit from and potentially then get that yeah. jump up to the first team. But it's like they're just hanging out. They're given, you know, like I said, some handouts to to their players mm -hmm. to compete in this professional league when it's almost doing a disservice to the league because do people really take them serious we don't need to throw out names we obviously know red yeah. bull is is year in and year out one of the most competitive teams in the league rsl has has done well in, in years past but yeah some of the mls2 teams it's just like here's it yeah i feel you like here, here's a good thing that's what i would say so rather than like being a handout to the players right because even on the teams that that didn't that weren't successful or they couldn't get wins there was still some good players on those sides, right? Sure. And so I think when you use the term handout, I would say that because an MLS side wants a B team or a two team, that they're given that rather than really holding them accountable. Like, okay, are you going to put out a product that is going to be competitive? You know what I mean? Yep. There's been years past where you go to a team or you have a team in your league and you're no, you know that on the year – you should get 12 points or nine points from that team because that's just, you know, like for a club like Louisville City, it's like we're here to win. You know what I mean? Like we're playing to win every game, just like Pittsburgh and Sacramento and, yep. you know, all these teams. And I even give a lot of credit to New York because 
they play to win. You know what I mean? At the same time, they're giving their players an opportunity. So I don't want to use the players as saying that the players are getting a handout, but I definitely agree that in years past, there's been some clubs who have been given the benefit of the doubt because of their name or because of their situation. And it kind of watered down a couple of the, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say watered down the league, but it, it made it a little bit less competitive. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I don't think we saw that as much as years gone on. Uh, um, but I think that's something that the USL has paid attention to. And I think that's where the development of the league one and the the league two has come around because they do understand that the clubs at the top that are established and the independent are trying to separate themselves from a development league idea. And and I think that's important is that there's a separation between okay, these teams are here to compete and be the best that they possibly can on and off the field, and then these teams are here to develop their players to prepare them for their first team, whether that be in the MLS or or wherever. So um, I think the USL has done a good job. uh, And I also try to put myself in their shoes and that they did that so that the club, so that the league can evolve and so that it could grow and it's allowed it to grow. And so now that we've gotten to a point where we have 30 plus teams, now we can start to say, okay, now we need to re- go ahead and reassess how we're putting this together and how we can make the top league, which is the championship as competitive as possible while still giving these other teams an opportunity to develop their players. I want you to give two perspectives here. One for the high school player, considering a move to a a USL team versus college. That's the first one. What advice would you, what (laughs) advice would you give to, to the general player i know there's no one answer but what does a player need to be prepared for a player coming out of high school that's like ah you know what maybe college isn't for me and i want to pursue a a usl opportunity what do they need to be prepared for what does a 16 or 17 18 year old maybe even 19 year old need to be prepared for if they were to make that transition from high school to usl uh, the first question I would ask them is, um, are you committed to being a professional soccer player or do you just like the idea of being a professional soccer player? Um, and, and for the players that tell me, yes, they're committed to being a professional soccer player, then I would go on to tell them that if you're committed and your dream or your goal is to be a footballer, then you need to approach this opportunity in the USL as if it was your only opportunity you'll ever get. And that means like you'll show up every day and you'll work hard every day and you'll listen and you'll put your head down and you'll take advice. You know what I mean? And you'll play to be an impact player. You know what I mean? Not just go there and say, oh, I'm on a USL side or, uh, you know, this is cool, you know, and just be happy to be there. Because if that's the attitude that you take, that you're just glad to be there and you're just glad to have that, then it's not going to work out. You might as well just go to college and get your education and, and play play some footy there. And, and if you do well, then you can always get an opportunity at the next level, you know, off of that. Uh, it's funny you ask me that because I've, I've actually been presented with this question from some oh, okay. high school players. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. what, I feel so. like a lot of players, too, uh, I mean – 
what one of the flaws I feel like is taking criticism. You you brought up taking taking advice, but I feel like a lot of players aren't actually prepared to take criticism and and, and use it as constructive, and they use it as a negative. Um, and I just yeah. feel like the maturity level for a lot of those players, they're not prepared. I think the perspective and, and how you worded it is perfect. Like, are you really ready to? to be held to this standard and have these demands and, and be ready to take constructive criticism from grown men, right? When you're still yeah. still ultimately a, a child where you don't need to put food on the table. You can live at home with, with mommy and daddy when there are people and players competing for a contract for the following year to get a raise, right? Where yeah. you almost have this... this uh, comfort level you do have this comfort level when you're living at home and you're getting support and you don't need to support anybody else where i don't think that's what players are really prepared for i think the ones that are prepared do carry those traits where they're ready to support somebody else or they're ready to to give up like you said whatever else they they have in, in their life to pursue that you know lifestyle and and career path of a, a professional soccer player um and anything else to touch on that point? Because I was gonna. No, no, I, I think you're spot on, man. It's just that, like, it's a job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And sometimes, you know, even for myself, it's, I love to do it, you know, it puts a smile on my face. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, I wouldn't give it up. However, there's days where I even have to tell myself that, you know, 10 years as a pro that, yo, man, like, you, this is a job. You know what I mean? Like, you have to go to work even if you don't want to get out of bed or even if you don't want to go to the gym or you know what you didn't play on the weekend i need to do some extra fitness it's not that i don't want to or i want to it's that i have to because this is what's required for me to to do this and to continue this and then the second part perspective for a college player that's looking to pursue playing professionally that's not that's not a generation adidas or top five pick right somebody that's you know Considering a preseason opportunity with a USL team versus a guaranteed contract with USL teams, mm-hmm. that's even tougher, right? Um, what would you give them I to think of- about? What's something you'd make them think about if you know they had an opportunity, like I said, with a, for a preseason? Because you know that's not guaranteed. It's also you're leaving. Yeah. It's it's more of a risk reward, but then. You're also having these these opportunities with the USL team where you can prove yourself. And like I said in, earlier, to, to use it as a, a platform to establish yourself as a professional. Yeah. Ideally, right, if, if, I, could get, if I could secure a USL contract with the op- opportunity to go to an MLS camp, that's ideal, right? Sure. Because now I've secured a future for at least a year and I have an opportunity to go show myself at an MLS side. That's ideal. However, that's, you know, that's rare. Um, yeah. If I see a lot of value in being in good environments, right? And and not to, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the MLS and the value of being around good players and being in those environments day in and day out. But nothing prepares you like games, you know? So for a college player, if, 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 if he has an opportunity to go to an MLS team that has an MLS two side, then I would I would encourage him to, to take that opportunity. If it's just an MLS team opportunity without an opportunity uh, with a two team or if they don't have one or, you know, and you have uh, a coach in the USL who has faith in you 
and who's who's confident and is going to give you a a genuine opportunity, then I would encourage that player to take the the genuine opportunity or the coach and the environment that has faith in him as a player. Um, because the one thing also that I want to add to all this is that these opportunities don't last, you know. So I might have an opportunity in the USL right now. But that doesn't mean that same opportunity will be available in a month's time or a year's time. You know what I mean? So these are also some some things that you have to think about. Is like like you said, this game is cutthroat, mm-hmm. and coaches are constantly looking for the next best player. So if you're presented with a window and you don't take it, you have to understand that that window might not be open when you decide to come back. That's really well put. So let's wrap let's wrap this up with uh, your stint as an interim player manager and what that experience was like during the transition from James yeah. O'Connor to to Hackworth. Now, um, what? How did this come about? How is it talked about? How is it received within the team? You know, talk us yeah. through what the experience was like and and what you've come to appreciate. You know, taking on that role. Um, you know, because. Being a manager and being a coach is significantly different than than being a player, and I think the a lot of players think it's easy to to have that role and and manage the team. But I'm sure it was an eye opener for you. <laughs> yeah, so um, humble, yeah, amazing experience, right? Uh, just to start with, so obviously we've had uh, we had a bunch of success here in Louisville, James, from the beginning. He put a team out that was competitive in, in all aspects. Uh, everything from work on the field and competing for championships to the integrity of the men he brought into the locker room um, and and what the club did in the community, all these things. And so we kind of knew that, that James was going to get an opportunity at some point. Um, and, it, and it had been talked about, uh, but it was a – just a, a normal day. We, we report to training. Um, you know, we see the, the ownership in the locker room and, you know, James was, you know, looking like he didn't look himself, you know? So we're like, what's going on here? You know, what's going on? And, uh, and we, we kind of had an idea that, that Orlando had, had made him an offer for the job. So, uh, yeah, he brought us into the locker room and, and he said, you know, uh, I'll be taking the job in Orlando, you know, and just because of the group we had initially, uh, I mean, immediately we all congratulated him. You know, we're super proud of him, happy for him, uh, amazing opportunity for him. Um, and that was that, you know, so it's like, okay, so what's next, you know? And then we, you know, we come to find out that we go to training after the, you know, the announcement and, you know, we're in training. And, and so the president of the club, uh, like hanging around train he's like hey george you know uh would you you know you have a few minutes you know we'd like to talk to you uh after training uh so just come into james's office after you shower up and all that you know so it's like yeah all right cool so we're thinking that he's gonna tell us who the next coach is or you know how they're gonna deal with that because we knew that james was gonna take his staff and dan bird and tabani sutu so you know we were prepared it's like okay who's coming in next and uh, so me and Luke uh, Spencer, we sat down and uh, we ended up bringing Paolo into the into the meeting as well. And it was like, well, we want you all to take over the team until, uh, you know, or first it was like, 
how would you feel about taking over the team or leading the team until sure. we were to find an intern, you know? Yeah. And and my first thing was like, is this a is this a question or are you telling us that, yeah. you know, we're taking over the team? So um yeah, so that's how it was presented to us and, you know, the type of men that, that we are, uh and, you know, me, Paolo and Luke, we're like, you know, absolutely, we'll take this on head on and we knew that the the group of men that we had in the locker room and, and our teammates were uh, a, a good group and that they would support us and and all these different things so then it became real and it's like okay well now i i'm a player but i have to choose a team on the weekend right. and we have to organize a session and we have to prepare for the opponent and all these different things um so very eye-opening right because you think you know ah, he should have chose this player, or why did we do this? Why did we play this way? Yeah. Why is this tactic? Why that tactic? You know, and as a player, and we're all guilty of it, we're all quick to question the decision that a manager will make, right? Yeah. And being put being put in that position uh, showed me and gave me insight into how difficult it really is um, to watch training on the week, pick a team, scout a team, make a tactic, you know, give a presentation, all these different things that you have to do. So we would go to training in the morning. We would come into the office after training, after we showered and had lunch, and we would sit there for a couple of hours and talk about training. And then we have to talk about the next day's training, so you have to prepare training for the next day. Yeah. Uh, we had to watch a couple of games, so then we all would bring our notes from the games, okay? This is the space we want to exploit in the attacking half. Um, how do we want to defend? Where you know, where do they have their most success in the final third? You know, how can we, you know, defend that and, and all these different things. And then the very first week we were away at Tampa. So it was an away game. And, you know, we're there. Luke was hurt at the time. Um, and and so, you know, like I remember Luke, I'll never forget. We had Luke, you know, because he was injured. He was kind of like the the guy on the sidelines, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, yeah. and so it's like, all right, Luke, you got to, you got to pick the team, man. You got to announce the team, you know? So, you know, it was like funny that we put that pressure. And so before he sent the team out that evening, cause we want guys to be prepared uh, for the next day. He's like, Hey, Hey guys, you got to sit in here with me, man. I can't do this. He's like, you got to sit in the room with me while I send this, send this out, you know? And, and that was just a little funny part to it. But, but overall, man, we would not have been able to have the success or even, do what we did without the group we had in the locker room, man. And, and that's something that anytime, you know, they give me and Paulo and Luke a lot of credit for how we led the team in that moment. But I give all the credit to the players because it's very difficult to look a man in the eyes who is your peer, who is your teammate, and try to listen to him in a sense of, well, he didn't pick me for the team or he's telling me to do this or he's telling me I'm not performing well. Right. And, uh, you know, we had to have some very tough conversations with players, honest conversations with players, and and all the guys were receptive and they treated us with respect. And you know, we went we went four one and one during the time. Uh, and then I think the only downfall to all of it was it was kind of a blessing and a curse because we had made it to the last sixteen of the Open Cup and we were playing away at Chicago Fire and. The game got away from us, and you know they they asserted their quality on us, and and uh, we ended up getting like two red cards, and we thought 
we thought everything was going to blow up on us, but we recovered well and, and we were able to continue to win some games after that. And like I said before, man, the group was incredible. And, you know, it, I always say like the team coached, you know, we did the tactics and we picked the team per se, but at the end of the day, it was the whole group. Uh, Cause it's pretty incredible to have a group of men lead themselves like that and something I'll never forget for sure yeah it seems like the the team really made it easy that that you guys had that good understanding amongst each other which if you didn't would have probably made the job really difficult were you guys selecting yourself in the team as you were were player managers or did you have to step aside and Uh, say you know what we can't select ourselves which is probably tough because you guys are the experienced veterans on the team and that's why you got that you know role yeah, so uh, Paolo is the captain, you know, yeah. so he's playing week in, week out. At the time, I was playing week in, week out, and I was in the team um, up until James' last game, but uh, we, I, I don't know how you want to put it, decided, like, I didn't put myself in the team for the first week. Sure. Uh, so uh, the first two games, actually, uh, Tampa and Charleston, I was not in the team. Uh, I, mean, I came on both games, but uh yeah so was that that was uh sorry was that mainly because of your responsibilities on the sideline and how you wanted to manage the team or was that more so from approach like are we really going to select ourselves you know in the lineup where i think guys would be understanding since you were in the lineup prior to you know the coaching change right now now yeah i would say it's a bit of both you know uh one thing about our team is like the reason we won championships because from top to bottom, anybody could be in the team and we went on the weekend, you know? So, like, it was a highly competitive group. So, like I had mentioned before, if you don't play well on the weekend, you will get dropped and another guy will step in. And it's like week by week is how our approach had been during that time, you know? Um, so, not that my form was, was bad or anything. I was still performing at a good level. I was still in good form. But it was pretty heavy for me, to be honest, you know? Yeah. Being able to... Uh, you know, have have a training, put in the hours as the coach, and then go to training and think about the session, trying to run or trying to help Luke and Paolo run, yeah. and then still perform, and then talk about the tactic, and then perform. You know, so it was it was a a very hectic moment. You know what I mean? And and it definitely, I don't want to say it took away from my play, but it definitely made it a lot harder for me to play. Um, because there was so much more on my mind versus just going out and performing. You know what I mean? So uh, in that sense, it was probably in my best interest not to be in the team, um, just so that I could have a little less pressure on myself. Um, And and for Paolo, I thought he handled it wonderfully. Uh, Same with Luke. He he really uh, embraced the role. Um, And, uh, you know, I think you'll see – I think you'll see Luke Spencer – coaching on a sideline one day for sure so um incredible experience and and something i like i said never forget yeah well based on your record that you brought up i would have been furious with them uh making the change and pulling you guys (laughs) off uh of that role and responsibility you you think you'll get into coaching when when you wrap up your career uh to some at some capacity yeah Yeah. i love coaching man i love being around it um i just i just don't know exactly how i want to approach it you know um you know, I don't know that, you know, jumping into professional coaching or coaching at the professional level is what I want to do. Um, 
But if an opportunity would present itself, I think it would be hard for me to say no. Yeah. Uh, right now, for me, it's just about learning, growing, um, and seeing where I can best use my, you know, my assets and, and where I can be most successful. Well, at 33, and for you to say you're still looking to learn is, is encouraging. And for, for the listeners to take away that you can always keep learning and taking in new stuff. George, I, I really appreciate all this time. And there's so much more we could talk about. And hopefully you have a few more yeah. years left in the tank. And, and can we didn't even get to talk about the, the championships. But sometime down the road here, we'll have to get you, you back on to, to talk about some more stuff but i really appreciate you taking the time this was really insightful and your perspective has been been incredible i really appreciate you having me on man i enjoyed it and uh anytime you want to get me back on man let's do it